0: As far as I can tell, the black-and-white film opens on a shot of nothing, a burlap sack beside a pallet stuffed with straw, and a pile of garbage bags on a New York City street corner. Then it zooms out to reveal a rope, and a man holding a placard with one handwritten word on it. Basement. The man is Bob Dylan. The film, Don't Look Back. And there's no apostrophe in that. Dylan never let punctuation get in the way of a good story. But we're not here to talk about Mr. Zimmerman. We're here for the man behind the camera, D.A. Pennebaker. Penny, as his friends called him, along with a small group of gonzo filmmakers, armed with 16-millimeter cameras and NAGRA sound recorders, banded together in the early 60s to transform documentaries into cinema. And the medium has never been the same since. Now, a year before Dylan rampaged through London in 1965, Clowning the press, smoking cigarettes, and exploding our collective consciousness with the fiercest poetry this side of Dylan Thomas, all before the unblinking eye of Penny's camera, something else happened. That something was Murph the Surf. He was a smooth-talking, sun-kissed wave rider with a taste for fine women and the high life, which he subsidized by stealing jewels. And he was the hottest thing going in that peculiarly American intersection of crime and celebrity. Before it's all said and done, Murph's story gets a lot weirder and a lot darker. It includes murder, prison, and Jesus. And it makes us wonder where you draw the line between fact and fiction. And is the tale of a sociopath a true story at all? This time, the man behind the camera is R.J. Cutler. And the movie is Murph the Surf. The reason I started where I did is Penny. See, once upon a time, R.J. Cutler was a young man with a dream, and Penny was the man who helped him conjure it into the world. Together, they made the war room, and the rest is history. Our conversation today, like always, is a rambler. It includes D.A. Pennebaker, mentors, paying it forward, and of course, Murph the Surf. Without further ado, I give you a conversation with RJ Cutler. RJ Cutler, welcome to the podcast.
1: How you doing, my man? I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, so glad to have you. Um, before we dive deep in Murph the Surf, which is absolutely fantastic, I want to, um, and I've got a thousand questions that I'll that I'll you know hammer you with. But um, I want to rewind back a little bit because you have a fascinating career. And, um, and one of the things that I think is quite interesting about it is from the beginning, you have partnered with these really, um, you know, fascinating folks along the way. You've, you've dealt with these titanic figures, whether it's Pennebaker and Chris Hegedis, you know, all the way through Grazer and Howard now, and then also tackled these titanic figures as subjects from Belushi to Anna Wintour to, you know, on down the list of amazing subjects that you've had. Talk a little bit about kind of choice of collaborator and choice of subject, and what it's like um, contending with, benefiting from you know significant partners and players like that.
1: <laughs> well, what a what a fascinating question, and thank you so much for asking. I mean, I'm, I'm on one hand, you're. Uh, You're asking a question about collaborators and mentors, and and certainly, um, you know, I, I learned I learned at a young age the importance of mentors, and and uh, you know whether it was as a, a a kind of child athlete growing up, or even the the folks who 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 first encouraged me to direct uh, when I was a teenager. Uh, um, uh, at the local youth center in my hometown and, 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 and on to, uh, you know, the folks in, in college, I was an undergraduate at, at, at Harvard and Robert Brewstein that, you know, the Dean of modern drama was a, was a significant figure in my life as was, uh, uh, Peter Sellers, the, you know, now renowned, uh, uh um, uh, opera th- and theater director t- throughout the world. You know, I just was a I was a lucky guy in that I was exposed to these these uh, accomplished figures, not just accomplished, but inspirational figures mm-hmm. who who and and um, and so I learned. And you know, my my early uh, career was as a theater director, and and I uh, I was fortunate enough to 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 work with. James Lapine and Stephen Sondheim. I was the, I was Lapine's assistant director on the original Broadway production of Into the Woods. So, you know, my entry into these worlds were, were through mentorship and through apprenticeship. And, and that's how I learned. And this, when I, though I knew in the kind of, throughout this kind of early career success I had as a theater director, um, in in to my late twenties, uh, uh, I I I knew in in my mind and heart and soul that I was heading towards making documentaries, which is an unusual kind of right turn for someone who yep. who was trained as a theater director and had spent so many years working as a theater director. I I, I but I but it's what I knew. I knew in my heart that this was where. I was going. And when, when I had the idea to do the film that became the war room, uh, it was, uh, it, I, I, I saw my producing partner, Wendy Ettinger and I went to the museum of broadcasting and dug up a, a, a copy of an old film called crisis, which was made by the drew associates and told yep. the story of Bobby Kennedy and and JFK going up against George Wallace, the racist governor of, the, of Alabama, who wouldn't let young men and women of color uh, register at the University of Alabama, even though the Supreme Court had said he had to. And and he said, well, did, then over my dead body. And you can tell the Kennedys, I said so. And th- they had a showdown in the on the in the, at the in the doorway. That you know, Kennedy. Uh, uh, Wallace called out the National Guard, and Kennedy federalized the National Guard, and they literally turned around and said, "Governor, we have to put you in cuffs and take you off if you don't let these these children uh, uh, register." And um, young men and women, really, uh, not children. And and uh, and he and he backed off, and it was incredible. And there, you know, you saw this. This movie was incredible. It was the, the cameras were everywhere, and you watched. At the at the behest of his younger brother, the moral maturation of JFK. And when the film was when we when Wendy and I were done watching the film, we tears were coming down our uh, uh, down our faces, and we said to each other, "We've got to find the people who made that film." And and we went to D. A. Pennebaker and he and Chris Hedjdist, his long term partner in life and work uh, uh, um, and wife, and you know, mother of his. Some of his children, uh, they welcomed us in and gave us this opportunity to work with them. And through them, again, I had this incredible apprenticeship. I learned at the feet of the masters. I was producing that film um, yeah. with Wendy and Fraser Pennebaker, but I was learning the art of Cinema Verite. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, among the principles of Cinema Verite, Um, is the answer to your next question, to to the other part of your question, which is that, you know, the the, the idea behind the cinema verite movement was certainly that the camera would would, uh, uh, be present in a way that the camera in traditional documentary wasn't the camera in traditional documentary was you know was more of an educational tool here the camera was a tool of cinema here the camera was a tool of character expression here the camera was 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 observational in its purest and most potent form uh, but but the the one of the other ideas that went along with that was that the subject would command the 40-foot screen. Yep, so, know, it's really was, so it's really a movie. So it's really yeah.
0: a movie,
1: the This is what we say, it's just like a movie. You know, uh, Gimme Shelter, just like a movie. Yep. Uh, Don't Look Back, just like a movie. Uh, uh, Grey Gardens, just like a movie. Salesman, just like a movie. The War Room, just like a movie. Yep. And this is the tradition that, that, that I was, I was, I was raised in. And the m- reason I wanted to make these documentaries, it was, it was Harlan County, USA that I saw as a teenager and, you know, on a rainy Sunday night in in and in the, the, you know, in my parents' living room. And, and I, it, it called out, I realized that's what I want to do. I want to be able to make movies about real life that are that are movies that tell this these incredible stories and so you you know one of the things that penny used to say is that, you know if 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 carrie Grant could be a movie star so too could james carville and this was the idea that behind Amazing. the movement so so we've we've always sought out the 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 subjects who can command the screen. The first time we looked at the dailies for the war room, we thought we were we were trying to make a movie about the the governor of, of Arkansas who was running for president. We couldn't get to him. We could only get to, you know, the guy who who, who uh, Pennebaker kept on saying he's like the drunken uncle who won't leave the party. I don't know if I want to make a movie about that guy, James Carville. What, 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 what a star, though. What a star. What a star. Then we looked at the dailies and the, and and we all th- said, "What a star!" And Penny said, "You can make a movie about that guy." And we did. We made a movie about that guy, but it's not just that guy. It's 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 all the other subjects we've 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 explored. Now they're not all famous. I've you know I've done films like as the Maisels did with with uh, with Grey Gardens and Salesman. You know you can also do these movies about high schoolers in the in you know at the crossroads yep. of their. Uh, yep. their young Coming lives of and, and yep. we yeah and we've done so many of these of these different different films but when you have a subject for instance like a billy eilish you know who is who blows the 40 foot screen away i mean i don't know if you saw her uh then the, the, she, she just came back from doing a uh uh south american Lollapalooza, and and, you know there were there were hundreds of thousands of people there and i'm telling you i promise you the guy in the back row felt like she was standing next to him singing to him uh um but but there was a subject you know these are these are subjects who you can whose life whose stories you can tell whose whose lives lend themselves to a cinematic treatment um and and who and who Give you the opportunity to make something that's just like a real movie, and that's uh, and there and, you that, go.
0: and that's a perfect segue to to Murph the Surf. So, like, w- first of all, what a caper and what a character and. Um, Before I kind of dive into the kind of cinematic techniques that I want to explore, you know, that I'd love for you to illuminate for us, talk about just the birth of this. How does this movie end up on your radar? How does it come into being? How do the partners like what's the origin story?
1: Well, I'm really fortunate because I I got a call one day from my dear friends, Justin Wilkes and Sarah Bernstein, who are at Imagine, uh, they they work with with Ron and Brian and 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 Sarah and I have been pals since she was an executive at HBO back when the we HBO did days, Finn, yep. and uh, the HBO days exactly and Justin is somebody who, who you know who I knew from 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 his his previous work before Imagine and we've long. Long ago, started saying to each other, "We got to find something. We got to find something to do." And one day, they called and said, "We think we found something for us to work together on." And it's this story. Check out this article in the New York Times. And I checked out this article, which was, um, I guess, the, the the Museum of Natural History in New York was was going through a uh, um, a reef, you know a refurnishing, whatever. And it was and 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 the the. Uh, the jewel of India, the, uh, the 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 diamond that Murph and his and his 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 fellow jewel thieves had heisted from uh, that had started his fame and and started this whole kind of uh, narrative uh, about Murph the Surf. Uh, it was going back on display, and so this gave cause to 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 revisit the story and the the time when the the, the American. Culture was dominated by this jewel thief, a so story I rem- that very few people really remembered. I think, well, you know.
0: I remember when this article came out, and I remember thinking, like, that's a fucking movie, and like somebody's <laughs> gonna get it, and it's gonna be amazing. And and one of the things that I was struck by in watching in watching the film and watching the series is, you know, what hangs in the culture cultural memory about Murph the Surf is the It's the jewel heist. It's the star of India thing like that's the dominant kind of narrative. And I guess maybe I'm not sure why it's because it's sort of sexy and pop and accessible and, you know, makes use of all those genre elements that we kind of all love. But what I think is so fascinating about the movie, one of the many things that's so fascinating about the movie that you've made is... This is a very complex character and a very, it's one of those fascinating sort of unreliable narrators that makes you as an audience member constantly re-triangulate your relationship to him. Um, So, so talk about kind of the mapping of that, because I know, you know, I remember vividly like when I was making the seven five, you know, shooting the raw interview with Michael Dowd, if you leave him alone and you don't edit it, he, you know, he comes off as, absolutely horrible. And then there's this kind of careful crafting of both sort of protection of character, when you're going to reveal things, when you're going to sort of twist the knife. Like there's a, there's this very careful architecture in the portraiture. Talk about that and your approach to it.
1: Well, I, I guess, you, I mean, you're, you're, you're identifying the core of, I think why this story works and why Murph's life story Lends itself to a kind of a four-hour treatment, as we've done it. Which because there's his his life plays out like the like the onion that you're peeling. You know, first there's the there's the 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 this jewel heist. First there's the fact that he's a you know a surfing champion and a and an and an athlete that who's and we have this incredible footage, and you see how he he went down to Miami and became a cabana boy, but he was you know he was leaping off of, 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 of diving boards 30 feet in the air and performing acrobatics because he was this and he was also one of the very first uh, of Florida, Based surf champions, so you know there was no surfing in Florida before Murph got there, and he basically brought it from California to, to Florida and became this champion. And then he got caught up, you know, in in the movies, kind of inspired him to to get caught up in a, a life of crime because it was it was kind of victimless crime. It was you could you could if you could, you could scale a building, yeah, exactly. You could root for it at a time when you know in a culture where we root for guy, for you know. Figures like that. I mean, Cary Grant was in To Catch a Thief around the same time. And, well, it goes, and like it, it, Murph, he was, you know. It, it you know. goes
0: all the way back, right? I mean, from like the romance of Billy the Kid through Tony Soprano, like it, that is a, a mainstay of American culture. We love to root for the bad guy. And he and we, and we, Murph yep. is, is such an amazing character because, and I think what you're getting at here, and I want you to go even further on it is, there's all these amazing card turns that you do with the character. Like, you're pulling us in early on with the kind of romance of this, you know, beautiful dashing young surfer who's kind of carving the waves and, and staking his claim. And then you begin to kind of make these progressive reveals. And they continue, you know, relentlessly throughout the series, which which makes you renegotiate your relationship with this character, who, you, who you've hooked us with early on how do you craft that like what's the what's the what's the design
1: by uh, i craft it by knowing that's exactly what i want to do i mean i can show you the treatment that i wrote for this before we sold it to uh, the folks at mgm plus and 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 this is exactly as i presented it conceptually i as as murph's as murph's innocent crimes become grisly crimes he he reflects uh, um, uh, American culture and society more fully. And as, and as, as those grisly crimes become crimes of faith and crimes that involve God, he gets more and more into the core of the American psyche. And as his story, which starts in 1964, but goes all the way into the 20 teens, becomes more and more a story for our moment. And suddenly you're reflecting in the year 2022, 2023, the story is reflecting our very moment and is asking questions about who we are as a culture and society. Why are we attracted to the bad guy? But more importantly, why are we attracted to the snake oil salesman? Why are we compelled by someone who we... Who, who we suspect and even know is looking us in the eye and not telling us the truth. Why, how, why do so many people say about the last president of the United States, I know he's lying, I don't care, I love it. Why is, is his base defined that way? This is something fundamental about the American psyche. And I wanted you as a viewer to be implicated in the in the experience. So you like I we all like the writer of that New York Times article are enamored by Murph the Surf and his his handsome daring do and he scaled the building and he stole the diamond and the and the cops were bumbling and they couldn't catch him and the insurance paid for it and they still don't know where it is. You know, all of that while Mur- while Bob Dylan sang songs about the guy he we all kind of fell for yep. him, the culture fell for him but they were falling for a a a, a man who would be a brutal murderer and a man who whose very who fundamental nature of yep. who was he would hustle his way out and maybe and maybe uh, um uh and well at the very least never admit to the crime that he the, these this brutal these brutal murders that he that he committed and so Um, I wanted to be, I wanted you implicated, but I also wanted me implicated. And that's where this, you know, the, 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 the fact that Murph sold us the movie and then we made the movie, we make that part of the story as well. So no one's innocent here. And, and that's part of what I love about this series.
0: Okay. So you're making several super fascinating points, which I want to kind of parse individually. One is why this story, I think, is so resonant is because it's mapping the arc, the the sort of history of America, his life, from the sort of joyous, glee, carefree 60s, which then you're undergirding with these sort of careful soundtrack choices, to the, like, darkness, you know, the post-give-me-shelter 70s and, and, and like, the post-Manson 70s into the darkness of that, to the sort of, you know, the the, the God-loving, money-loving 80s, all the way through now. Now, which I think is, so I guess that character is emblematic of who we are as a culture. So it's it it's takes the personal and it makes it universal, which I think is amazing. And then I think the other thing that you're saying, which is really interesting, is I read this article recently. Um, by a woman named Megan Garber, and I think it was The Atlantic, who says, and the title of the article was, we're already living in the metaverse, in the sense that, okay, all of us are in some way, okay, let's just wait for the doc series to come out. Let's wait for the narrative series to come out. Let's participate in it. And both as filmmakers and as audiences, in this weird way, everything is kind of this collage of entertainment. And you are acknowledging the meta nature and kind of collusion of, of, you know of yourself and, and all of us as filmmakers in this, which I think is really fascinating. Talk about that choice and the decision to well, turn it all the way around.
1: Yeah, well, you, you know it, it, it ties to the again, we have the perfect subject to do that with because Murph is truly the first true crime television celebrity in American culture. He knows that the camera loves him. He knows how to manipulate the press. He's pre-beatles. He's post Kennedy pre Beatles. Wow. In that void comes Murph the Surf and he fills it. And yep. like I say, Bob Dylan writes writes about him in the liner notes to his album and 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 the culture embraces him and he is he everybody people would gather around their TV sets to hear the news. Did they catch him? Did they catch him? Did they, you know, did he get away again? This was this was uh this was Murph. It, you, you fast forward from, you know, 50 years to the time we live in now, the post iPhone 3 era, which is the era in which everybody has a movie camera in their pocket. Um, and you're in what I call the, the era, the age of Neo Veritech which is huh. that uh, I, we're all making our own, I agree with that, that uh, article. I wouldn't call it the metaverse, I could call it, but I'm saying the same thing, uh, which is that we're all in the, in, the, in the midst of making the movie of our lives, and our, not just our lives, but our children's lives, and their multiple perspectives. And listen, y- y- a perfect example of that is the film that I directed about Billie Eilish. Yep. where, where um, uh, we filmed with Billy over a, a, a year-long period. I mean, I filmed with her a lot, but um, I also, got her, she trusted me and her, her family trusted me to, to be the recipient of hard drive after hard drive worth of their personal iPhone videos from, their, from her whole life. So I had that to work with, And and a lot of that movie is seen through a mother's eye and seen through the eye of Billy herself, because we live in an age where those that film, that footage exists. We all have it. We all have it on our. And as you know, as as the hard drive size grows larger and larger, what you know, what you can see in your phone. Yeah. And it becomes infinite. Exactly. And here we are.
0: Well, so one of the thi- one of the uh, uh, kind of really striking things about about Murph is the archival, particularly for a story that is this that begins this, you know, long ago. The the archival in this is absolutely astonishing. The the sort astonishing. of astonishing ra- like the range
1: astonishing. Depth.
0: And and you're oh. you're so it's so crazy. To, like, how much of that came kind of ready made? How much do you have just a genius archival producing team? Like, like what's uh, I, have, I
1: have, I have, I, I have a genius archival producing team. Ryan Gallagher and Sarah Strunin did the archive on this, and it's sick. And 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 you know, Ryan's the guy. I don't know if you saw. Um, if you saw The Defiant Ones. yo oh, yeah, of course. Uh, that series. So, so Ryan's the guy who found in some garage in, you know, South Central LA in a box that had been Acquired in an auction that nobody even knew existed, the footage of Dre and Eminem the night they met. Yes, you know. Okay. When, when, I'm, I'm going to need. Eminem I'm going to need Ryan's number.
0: I'm going to need Ryan's <laughs> I, yeah, number you when can't we're done. Have it. Not I knew. I knew you were going to say that. So I knew sorry. you were hoarding so it. I knew he's you were hoarding it.
1: He's very busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he and Sarah. I mean, it's incredible what they found. I'll, I'll tell you, Ryan is now. We're working very closely together on. Um, uh, the Elton john film there's actually more archive of of Murph the surf than Elton john wow you know Is it, that it, right? it, it, because it's 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 probably less amount of footage but the the stuff you see the places you are you see it in the series the fact that you're it's you the know, pivotal moment when he's yeah it's crazy it's crazy and we're there for everything and somehow it escaped the you know obliteration i don't know how it all it's a miracle somehow, it's a miracle it's yeah. a miracle it's a miracle and thank goodness we have it and murph collected a fair amount of it his his business partner dominic who's featured in the series collected a, a certain amount of it and they you know but, but it's really the, the brilliant work of, uh, um, of Ryan and Sarah. And then uh, Greg Fitton and Don Bernier, who edited it, are, you know, two masters, masters. absolute masters. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, Greg and I have been working together since American Ides, 20 years. These dons are equally great. And, they, and this is craft. This yep. is a series that is as much about the, the craft of, of um, documentary storytelling as, as anything we've done. You're, you're acknowledging
0: something really important and, and sort of beautiful here, which is that, you know, there is, I think, this kind of, on the one hand, the like grand myth of the auteur, and, and maybe to some extent that's true, but it's also behind every particular director or artist is this like incredible team of people and this very tight network of collaborators that enable you to kind of be the maestro. And And I think like, I appreciate you taking the time to call out all those people and the sort of long-term deep collaborations, because that is at the essence of documentary filmmaking. You can't do it alone.
1: Well, well, yes. And it's it's documentary filmmaking, but I dare say it's all uh, um, it's it's all uh, art. It's all collaborative it's all art. art. Yeah, and this right. is, you know, this is one of the things I told you, I'm trained as a theater director. You know what they that they the first thing they teach you when they do when you, when they're teaching you how to direct uh, in the theater is that. You know if you if, if the theater is a boat out at sea and and the boats taking on water and somebody's got to go overboard the first person overboard is the director <laughs> because everybody else actually has a job and yeah, uh, yeah. you know and and you learn that you learn that and you recognize it and you're you know if you're blessed as I am you have these mighty collaborators I've, Trevor Smith my producing partner who I've been working with forever produced this series uh, you know you 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 you're you, you, your you get to do great things and you yeah. and also you're directing yes the director is responsible for vision yes the director is responsible for the a unified vision that all of the collaborating artists embrace and understand but what you're but that's also what you're directing you're kind of you know the more i do it the more i realize when it's going well is when not when i'm saying Cut this, cut that, change this. Let's b- b- raise the volume. Whatever we do, those things certainly. But what we really do is direct our collaborators' mind and and emotional experience heart, and yeah. emotional connection to the material and heart. And that's what directing is. You're directing. Uh, you're directing a group in a in a collaborative artistic endeavor, and everybody needs to be making the same thing and if they are and then you get a little bit of luck as you you know you always have to yep um for us it was this archival you know with this incredible archive or you know it, it, then then things work out
0: okay so let's talk about the sort of range of cinematic techniques that you employ in this because i think <laughs> there's this thing where yes. it's in some ways as the movie begins, it's sort of deceptively simple. It feels like, okay, these are off-camera interviews, audio only interviews, you know, by and large, that are happening. It's archival. Yep. But then you begin to sort of fold in these elements one after another. There's sure. the animation that appears in episode yep. one, and then has this like astonishing, beautiful payoff in episode three, you know, in in, yeah. in in that, in in the in the you know, from from inside the jail cell, you know, prison cell to the surfing the wave to returning, which is just so elegant and amazing and then there's the kind of elements what I'm imagining like the court renderings that appear in episode three were those commissioned or were those actual renderings or did you have those done and then there's the original photography and some of the like talk about the range of tools in your toolkit because it's really fascinating
1: and and also the graphics the The the, graphics treatments which are Gary another person I've been collaborating with now for for over a decade. Garrett Smith did the, the graphics here. You know, the animation, I've, I started working in animation. I did a, a, a project with Bill Plimpton years and years ago, the great animator and Oscar yep. winner Bill Plimpton. And then, a, and, and, and uh, 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 similarly with Robert Valley and the Belushi film. Uh, animation can if 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 it can take you somewhere and i don't just mean into a room that you're not otherwise in but into an experience that you something in the in the case of murph <laughs> it, the presence of god is what is explored in each of the animated beats that is where and we i knew so the the riddle was and and these movies are a series of riddles yep the riddle here was how do we how do we tell the story we've got all this amazing footage but none of it is is murph's connection to uh, to god and if he and so so the first time you see god in this is when he's surfing yep which yep. makes sense of, of course. course needless of to course. say and yep. then the next time is when is when they're he's he's in the the, the ju- an early jewel heist and they're shooting at him and he's underwater ducking and the bullets. He yeah. somehow he somehow escapes this. You know, some higher power guides him from the middle of the ocean to the shore and and, and he gets away with it and enters a life of crime. Um, and, you know, we see the hand of God in this. And you're describing this big payoff when he actually is born again. And that's, that's a, a, almost a hallucinatory yep. Um, yep. experience that he has. So, so that's why we went to animation and it worked beautifully. The, the courtroom, we knew that we had we had all the transcripts. Um, but what we, what we didn't have presence, well, courtroom illustrations are a, are a trope you can work with. And Gareth then animated the courtroom illustration. So, so, so could,
0: interesting. He, so it was the actual courtroom illustrations that the, he No, then, no, we commissioned,
1: nope, we commissioned You commissioned, them, commissioned them. Them. Okay. I wonder oh, yeah. because we,
0: I I did the yeah. double take at first where I was like, these are too beautiful and too rich in detail. And then you separate the focal planes, you know, as you're pulling from one to another or pushing into the, you know, you see the courtroom sketch artist in there. I thought that was just so beautifully, elegantly done.
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's great stuff. And, and it's, 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 again, it's, it's, there's a lot of collaboration there. The, the drawings themselves are incredibly expressive and bring you in. But then one day Gareth called and said, you know, I've been playing with these and I'm, 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 I can pull focus and I yep. can make them even more cinematic and tell me what you think. And he sent them to me, and I was like, you know, bingo, That's we, we hip. got it.
0: going in the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um, so, so, look, you're, you, 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 uh, you know, you get a toolbox, and uh, and you use as many of the tools in the toolbox as work and are resonant and and have meaning. We're always looking for meaning, um, and 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 ways to to spin a good yarn. Hey, look I, I, again, I'm going to go back to the thing we said in the first couple minutes of this conversation. It's just like a real movie, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, we do everything we can to, uh, to, to um, make it such.
0: Well, it's a funny thing about docs, you know, and I, and I sort of, since I've been making them, I'm always sort of fighting them like, okay, that's it. I'm quitting. I'm never doing it again. And then you get in there and you find there's this malleability to the medium that there sort of isn't really in, in feature films. Like you can sort of pull this apart and you can put it back together and you can make use of all these different techniques like you have in Murph that in a way it's like, it's more, Kind of boundary crossing, and sort of there are almost more tools in the toolkit, which it which makes it a really exciting medium. Because you're, it's like if you do it right, you're always pushing yourself and having to find the tool that's right to the task that supports story and is and is in his
1: hip. Yeah. Well, I I I will say that certainly in the way it's being practiced now, you know what 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 it's it's interesting that you make that point because. I, I've been thinking a lot lately about the fact that the, this moment we're in, in the documentary, in the history of documentary uh, uh, filmmaking, and uh, certainly um, in this country, but I think throughout the world is, is, uh, is a moment that's akin to where narrative cinema was in the 70s. I, I, you know, Beautiful filmmakers are, are really pushing the back. The, I, I saw a film, uh, the David Johansson film last night, one night only, a personality crisis, one night only that, that, uh, uh David Tedeschi and, and Martin yep. Scorsese, uh, directed. And, and that's a, that's a, you know, it, that firmly roots itself in the, um, in the, uh, 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 downtown art scene of New York City in the 19, early 1970s, which is where the dolls, the New York dolls were born and where Joe Henson grew up and, you know, and so, so it's right to be rooted in that. But then the whole thing is kind of like a 19th, an art piece from 1973. Yep. And it's, and, and, and it's, it's resonant, but it's pure, you know, it's pure artistic expression. And if you look at, you know, all of my colleagues are doing amazing stuff, and you, you know, if you if you look at what Sarah Dosa did this year uh, uh, with with Fire of Love, or if you look at what yep. Brett Morgan did with the Bowie film, you know, and I'm leaving out 30 other examples. You, we're in a time where where filmmakers, documentary filmmakers, are 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 really redefining the form with each film, and 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 often the 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 boundaries are being pushed, and that's what. You know, we all talk about the 1970s or the era of Easy Rider and 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 Mean yep. Streets as as being as being about and and um and I think it's it's exciting and you know the business is a piece of shit right now and everything it's, the whole entertainment industry is kind of You're falling apart and it's yep. going to have to be recon reconstructed. But the art that's being practiced in the documentary space is is thrilling. It's really thrilling and inspiring. I'm always telling my my buddies, that they're, they, you know, my colleagues and, 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 and peers that, that it's an endless well of inspiration to, to be, um, to be seeing the work that's being produced now.
0: It's, it's fascinating. I'm happen to be reading um, Tarantino's cinema speculation book right now, you know, mm-hmm. which is just such a joy to read because mm. that's exactly what he's doing is he's going back and revisiting all those seventies films that were sort of And it's, you know, very personal to sort of the seminal works for him that informed his aesthetics, but it also becomes this, you know, vivisection of the era where you see exactly what you're saying about docs now, which is you have these moments of creative flourishing where, you know, the, 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 the sort of, you know, the, the chains get shaken off and, and something really exciting is happening. And I do think you're right that this is a moment where it is, the medium is being revolutionized and it's so exciting to see you as somebody that has sort of lived through and helped the evolution of all these eras still kind of relentlessly pushing the boundaries you know creatively in terms of technique and approach because in a a way you know Murph the Surf is is like exactly antithetical in certain ways to the war room where you began right like you've got every tool in the rainbow as compared to the you know the sort of austere sort of cinema verite uh, you know Pen, you know the the the, the Pennabaker lineage to like what you're doing now with it and um it's really cool
1: so i want to um i i do let me i thank you for saying that i i want to i want to say you know the our conversations make me think you know this is why i think it's such bullshit this media the the, the new york magazine you know hysteria about uh are uh, the filmmakers are making movies about prominent people? Uh, Al Mazel's made movies about prominent yeah. people. Yeah, welcome you, to the fucking world. Movies? Martin Scorsese yeah. made, but the the, uh, the Last Waltz is is a naffing movie about prominent people. That's not the point. The point is the film. It doesn't make it easier when your subject is 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 is, is looking at a cut. It makes it harder to get Absolutely. the thing that you want and, and, the, and, and to find, the, and of course it's a collaboration. The frickin' story belongs to them. It doesn't belong yep. to me. The arrogance, the yep. journalistic arrogance expressed by film uh, critics who uh, identify the fact that a, a, a subject is prominent as meaningful to the quality of the art. It's such, it's, it's so, it's so preposterous. It reveals such a lack of knowledge of the art form and the business, by the way, because, you know, when I make a film, also a lack Irish, of love for I,
0: it in a weird yeah, way, yes, because it's like, this weird this way. Is well, what is weird. you know,
1: there's, let's not, let's not talk about their hearts. And, 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 <laughs> and yet, yeah. Yeah, but I, I you know, the, 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 you know, when a when a subject like, like Billy gives me final cut, or Anna Wintour gives me final cut, or Martha Stewart, or, or a, anybody who we're working with, this is a this is a, an an act of enormous trust, generosity, and, it's not, yep. and collaboration, yes, and and collaboration, and and from that, you know, it's, big art can come. As a result. So the focus is on the, the silliest of matters. And then, of course, you there, things or articles are written in a way that, that 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 emphasize hysteria. And it's all like, you know, people need to be. Something <laughs> I don't want to use the word slapped, but all maybe right. I yeah,
0: copy that, copy that. Um, <laughs> so let's talk. Um, let's let's sort of bring it to a close with the music is so hip in in this movie and it's a combination of i will, i listen to the score evolve from that first episode with the sort of like Brubecky jazz vibe and, and like as you're sort of chronicling the eras and then the choice of the needle drops, which I thought was so um hey, that that must have been like massively expensive. You must have done well on your on your music budget on this one. But like the combination of the sort of artful score and the evolution of the score and the careful choice of needle drops was was magnificent. Talk about that a little bit and sort of who well, else put your brain. Right.
1: A, a, a sub theme of this interview has been the the, the, um, the gifted collaborators. I have the great good fortune of spending my my days and nights and months and years working with, and 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 no, none is more gifted than Margaret Yen, who's been music supervisor. I've been I've worked with not on every project, but on the vast majority of the things that I've done um, since uh, since the you know, the beginning. Um, and, uh, and Margaret was the music supervisor on this. And, uh, and, and, you know, when you talk about collaborators, I got to say the folks, Michael Wright and the folks over at MGM plus, when we, when we called them up and said, we love this as much as you do. <laughs> and we, and I, and, and trust us part of the reason we love it so much is because of the music, the needle yep. drop in here. Yep. And I'm afraid we're going to need, uh, uh, I'm afraid we're going to need some more money. They gave us more money. Yep. You know, they gave us more money. They, and bless they, uh, them for it, because, the, and, because and it's so defining
0: it. yeah. of the era and the experience that, like, there is a thing that, I mean, it's, you know, you look at any Scorsese film or, or what, you know, whatever, and it's, there's something about the cultural memory embedded in those songs that brings you right to it. And and it yes, was absolutely beautifully, beautifully done. Okay, my last question for you is... You know, the film asks in an interesting fashion, um, you know, to what degree is Murph a hustler, a liar? Is he, in fact, you know, born again, repentant? Like, you know, what is the sort of where is the center of this guy? And I think, you know, what I came away with feeling anyway was it's not either or. It's kind of both and in, in a fundamental sense, like, yes, he's a jewel thief. Yes. He's probably implicated in this murder. You know, yes, the, he has in fact had a religious conversion. Yes. There is sort of truth in that, but there's also just like, where do you land finally on this subject that you have, you know, carefully crafted this complex portrait of, um, in terms of, you know, who this really, who this guy is at his center?
1: Well, you, you, you're very crafty. But I'm not going to fall for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know you, you 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 lured me in with kind words and sweet nothings, and there's and, no way My and answer, you're hanging up it, the
0: phone right uh, now as I we got, speak.
1: You got. If I I I, it took me four hours to answer that, and well, you're the and all four hours are available on MGM Plus, and and I mean it. You know, it is you not know, that complex. That is the right answer. It's that complex a riddle. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah.
0: That is that is exactly right, because if it were something that you if there was a facile answer to that question, we wouldn't have this beautiful, complex, nuanced film that you made. Well, that's what
1: it is. Um, And you're meant to it's meant to challenge you to answer that question, even as we were challenged. And um, and um, so, by the way, I I, you you asked about you asked about music. You also asked about score, the great uh, Dave Porter, who who scored Breaking Bad wrote the score for this and you know we got him to 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 um to dip into nonfiction scoring with this and what you a and your heavyweight collaborators that you never yeah. end well, with why it. not man yeah. why not why not they are and and we're very we're, we're very fortunate you know again you you know you you uh and and the funny thing is you know you talk about a lot of heavy, heavyweight heavyweight collaborators but you know the, the, they, my collaborators weren't always known it's heavyweights right. uh, we, we all we all we were all babies together you know we started doing this and I'm there's so many people you know Trevor who I mentioned before who produces everything that I do that I I met him he was maybe 21, 22 years old and he was an assistant you know and and uh, and a lot of the and look it's the it's the same. Maybe another theme of this conversation is the importance of apprenticeship, and you know, and uh, and how we pass it on. You know, I look. I I, I I when when I when Wendy and I looked at crisis and uh, and had this idea to, um, to, to 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 make a film and with BA Pennebaker and Chris hedges so they called the War Room. Uh, we uh, um, we had to get a hold of them. And the way we got a hold of them was by opening up the phone book and looking under Pennebaker, and there was a phone number. And we dialed the phone number and DA Pennebaker answered it. And I said to him, uh, we wanna make a movie about the, 19, about the, the, the presidential election. And, and we have this idea, and I think maybe we could scratch together a few dollars. And, and you know what he said? Come on over, let's meet. Now, beautiful. That's, not, that's a beautiful thing. That, is a, that act in and of itself that one phone conversation, that change one your life. phrase, yep. come change on your over, life. Change, yep. change my life, change the life of, of everybody in the movie, yep. change Wendy's life, change Penny's life, it's, yep. it, it's a, 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 it, you know, the open heart changes all lives, change James and George's lives, yep. you know, and go on from there. So, um, so, so, you know, pass it on, man, pass it on.
0: Well, amen. What a beautiful way to end. And thank you for both, uh, you know, the long, beautiful arc of your career and for passing it on because it's something that you clearly do. And I'm I'm so glad you're out there and I'm so happy to have had the chance to connect with you. And I hope that the movie does absolutely
1: fantastically because it's brilliant. Thank you. I'm so grateful. It's a a real pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Be good, RJ. Thank you to RJ Cutler for making his film and sharing his time. Thank you to Brian Grazer and Ron Howard. Thank you, I suppose, to Murph the Surf. And thank you, as always, to Bob Dylan. See you next time on The Dangerous Art of the Documentary. The Dangerous Art of the Documentary is a Tillerman Films production. Executive producers are Tillern and Fitz. Our producer is Jacob Miller. Music by Zydepunk. The show is executive produced and distributed by Jake Brennan and Brady Sadler for Double Elvis Productions. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe.